Well, good morning. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. My name is Dwayne Spearman. Uh, this is a uh, teaching ministry that is called to encourage, equip, and challenge the people of God. Uh, today is October the 23rd, and we are continuing to work our way through the book of Acts. I hope you've enjoyed the journey. feels like we've been on it for quite a while. Um, let me, I'm just uh, thinking here out loud. Let's see. Um, if you go to the website... Uh, first audio study um, it doesn't give a date for when we started, does it? Uh, that was our first audio study. I was looking for a date um, when we first started this little journey. Um, it was back. There's no dates on here, but it's been a while. We've been working our way through it, and we're almost done. I mean, chapters... We're already in chapter number 26, and um, uh, chapter 26, 27, 28, and we'll be through with the book of Acts, and I'm thinking about maybe going into Galatians, uh, thinking about possibly um, Ephesians, you know, um, pretty neat books. Um, so anyway, let me pray about that, what we're going to do next. Acts, I think I've shared a few times with you, I just think that Acts is it's the transitional book, it's the pivot point. If you don't understand the book of Acts, if you misinterpret the book of Acts, and, and I haven't always felt this way. Um, I mean, I taught Acts in Bible college. You know, I taught Acts as a pastor. I've probably been at it through Acts a dozen times. Um, but until you realize that the book is transitional, that the book is moving from Peter to Paul, from Jerusalem to Antioch, uh, from the kingdom gospel to the grace gospel. Uh, you'll never understand Romans. Uh, you'll get into Romans and you'll start misinterpreting uh, wild olive branches and grafted in and you'll just start misinterpreting all of that. And then that's going to flow all the way through uh, not only the Paul's Pauline epistles, but that misinterpretation is going to happen through the Hebrew epistles as well. Um, so it's just unbelievable. So I'm going to have to go back <laughs> and teach all those books again um, because we have to pay attention to the personal pronouns. We have to pay attention to who Paul is addressing. Because um, Paul addresses both Jewish believers, who he calls saints, by the way, and he's addressing Gentile believers. Um, so the Pauline epistles, you have to pay attention to who the audience is. You have to pay attention to the transitional words as Paul is going back and forth between Jew and Gentile. Hebrew epistles, easy peasy. They're talking to the Hebrews. <laughs> the book of Hebrews is not addressing Gentiles. Um, the, uh, all these books right here, uh, Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd John, Jude, Revelation, they're talking to Jews. They're written by Jews, to Jews, about Jews. So don't be putting Jew, you, <laughs> into the verses. 
and you'll be fine. Uh, so I'm going to have to go back and, and reteach the entire Old Testament. But not only that, even the Old Testament. I can't tell you how many years I've found the church in, in Song of Solomon, you know, and things like that. I mean, um, just unbelievable. And I've, uh, you know, I've put up these graphs with you guys before, uh, showing you, you know, just the entire Old Testament is about Israel. It's all about Israel. It's about the ministry of Israel under the law. Uh, it is about a kingdom that is prophesied to come. Everything here is to the nation of Israel. The church was hidden in Christ before the world began. It You can't find it here. It's not there. Um, there are, yes, there are prophecies in the Old Testament about Gentiles being uh, saved, but that's only after the kingdom has been restored to Israel. And then God would use them as a nation of priests to go out and take that to the Gentile nations. That was the plan, Stan. <laughs> the prophecies, Jesus would come. He would die on the cross. He had to die on the cross. He would have ascended. Uh, Peter would have preached. The nation of Israel would have repented, been baptized. They would have went into the seven years of tribulation. Why do you think the Hebrew epistles deal with the tribulation? Because that's what they thought was going to happen next. The tribulation. The Antichrist would have been revealed, and the second coming would have happened. Israel's kingdom would have been restored. And understand, this kingdom has nothing to do with Gentiles. Today, I just kind of just kind of grin on the inside when I hear people, or cringe is a better word, when I hear people talking about, you know, we're kingdom people, we're building the kingdom, we're working for the kingdom, another one brought into the kingdom. Gentiles don't have anything to do with this kingdom. And then judgment, and God would have, you know, used the Gentile, the Jews during that time, this thousand-year reign. He would have used the Jews to reach the Gentile nations. And judgment would have happened, and then we would have went in all eternity. That is what should have, would have, could have happened. So you've got a, a easy division of the Bible. Genesis through Malachi, okay, is all about the Jews. Matthew to John, all about the Jews. Hebrews through Revelation, all about the Jews, okay? Uh, if you look at the division here, it does it a little better. You see, Gen Genesis, Malachi, Jews, Matthew, John, Jews, Hebrews, Revelation, Jews. What's this Romans through Philemon? Gentiles. Yeah. So and once you understand that, I mean, you just end up having to reteach the entire Bible because I've just, you know, it just totally um, blows my mind sometimes. But it may, it's made it so much easier for me. You know, when I read the book of James, you know, I don't have to try to shove the church in there. I don't have to shove grace in there. I don't have to try to figure out, well, is he talking about works? I mean, are we saved by works? He was talking to Jews under under the law. It just made it so many of the, the questions get answered is what I'm saying. Uh, you don't have to spiritualize the text to make it say something that it's not saying. When you realize 
there is a kingdom gospel and there is a grace gospel. It just makes life easier. All right, last time we were together, we got down through chapter number number 25. Uh, let me pull up. Yeah, we got down. We did chapter 25, uh, and we got down through verse number 27. So let's back up just a little bit, and we find um, Festus. <clears throat> Remember Felix? Felix had brought, Paul is now before Agrippa and Bernice. And, of course, uh, Festus begins to come in and lay out the case against Paul uh, before uh, Felix. All right. And, of course, there is, or Felix begins to lay out the case for Festus. And, of course, there is no case. Uh, Paul, everything Paul's been accused of, Paul is obviously innocent. Felix realized that. Festus realized that. Agrippa's going to realize that that Paul was not guilty of anything that he was being accused of by the Jews. And then in verse 24, And Festus said, King Agrippa, <coughs> of all men which are here present with us, you see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt uh, with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. So definitely the Jews wanted, wanted Paul dead. But I have found that he has committed nothing, nothing worthy of death. And that he himself hath appealed to Augustus, and I have determined to send him. So now Paul has went through the hands of Felix. He's went through the hands of Festus. He's before Agrippa, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. But I don't know what to write. He wants to go to Caesar, but I don't have a clue what to write as I forward him to Caesar. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, and especially before thee, O King Agrippa, that you can examine him, and you might have, that, that, that I might have something to write. In other words, this guy wants to go to, the, to Caesar. He's appealed his case to Caesar, but he hasn't been convicted of anything. And everything that the Jews are accusing him of, I can't put that in a letter. You know why? Because the Romans don't care. Don't care about Jewish law and Jewish customs and Jewish traditions. We have. I have to come up with some violation of Roman law. But why don't you examine him? For it seemeth unreasonable to send a prisoner and not withal signify the crimes that have been laid against him. And then we enter down into verse number, chapter number 26. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth uh, the hand and answered for himself. I think happy myself happy king agrippa because i shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all the things whereof i am accused of the jews especially because i know you you are an expert in all customs and questions which are among the jews wherefore i beseech thee to hear me patiently so paul begins to speak for himself as requested Notice that Paul acknowledges that Agrippa was an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. You know what's interesting is the Herodian dynasty was actually descendants of the Edomites, the Edomians. And I find that interesting because um, when you go back and read the book of Obadiah, uh, the Obadiah, the book of Obadiah prophesies that the Edomites would basically be wiped from the earth for the way that they treated uh, the Jewish people when they were fleeing uh, in the wilderness. 
and the Edomites, remember their city is the city of Petra, which is today in modern Jordan. And the Edomites actually were accused in Obadiah. They were also called the Edomians, Edomites, Edomians. They were also accused of turning the fleeing Israelites back into the armies to be devoured, turned back into uh, the arms of their 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 uh, the ones that were coming after them to have them killed, and the whole book of Obadiah is Obadiah laying out a case about how you dwell in the cliffs and you think you're untouchable, but I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to bring you down low. And what's interesting is the Herodians were the last known. Edomites, um, which is interesting because uh, Herod was the one that came after um, the baby Jesus, um, the Edomians. Uh, but today we're not aware of any Edomians or any Edomites. That's a neat study. I wanted to go a lot deeper into that, but I just didn't didn't get there. But that's something neat to study when you get a chance. Read the book of Obadiah and what they are accused of as they turned um, the Israeli people back into uh, the arms of uh, their pursuers and how God announced such judgment that would come on the Edomians. And interestingly, um, in the last days, uh, the Bible says that the Israelites will actually flee to the city of Petra. It's also called Selah. will flee to the rock city of Petra and there be safe. And protected, so God is going to actually empty the city out of the Edomians for what they did, and is going to give it to the Jews uh, as they seek refuge in the future. It's quite an interesting study, man. I, I could spend the whole message on that, but that's not the the point that we're going for today. <laughs> and then notice in verse number four, my manner of life from my youth, which was at first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews. In other words, you know my manner of life. You knew that I grew up. I'm from Cilicia. You saw my life as I lived among my own nation at Jerusalem. And all the Jews know this, which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. So now Paul begins to share his background. He was first among his nation. He was known by the Jews. Earlier we learned that he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. And he was, he says, I was, I was the straightest sect of our religion. In other words, the most legalistic sect of our religion. And you remember in Israel, there were two uh, political groups that were in charge. Uh, you had the Pharisees, who were the ones that were called the rabbis. They were the ones that uh, believed in just the letter of the law when it came to the Torah, that Israel was going to be judged by the way she handled the Torah. And that's what he means when he says the most straightest sect of our religion. On the other side were the liberals. Uh, they were the Sadducees. They were, um, they were Hellenists. They had, they had embraced um, uh, Roman culture, Hellenistic culture, um, which comes from the Greeks, but Hellenist, it comes from the Greeks there, but they had embraced that culture. Historically, Greeks are the ones that built the buildings. Rome kind of copied it with very little change. Um, but the Sadducees were uh, very political. 
they had an, a bra- embraced the, the culture. They were the liberals of the day. Even some would say the progressives of the day. Um, they didn't believe in an afterlife or a resurrection. They didn't believe in the spirit world. Um, so they did not um, hold to the Torah um, strictly like the Pharisees did. Um, in, in many ways, it's almost like today when you look at, um, I would say, like a fundamentalist or a literalist, which would be comparable to a Pharisee, and then you look at the liberal uh, that spiritualizes the text, like the Sadducees. And in many ways, there's, you know, if, if I was to be grouped today, I would be a, a Pharisee. And then we talked about also how politically um, they're very much like the political sides of the aisle that we have right now in our country. We have one side of the aisle that's very conservative, small government. Most Christian people, most especially most literalists, most uh, fundamentalists, most um, people who know their Bibles tend to flow to the conservative side for obvious reasons. Uh, and most who don't <laughs> uh, flow to the left-hand side um, of the political aisle. So not much has changed uh, at all. It's just human nature. It's how we respond to things. Um, so he says, they all know this. They know who I am. They know who's standing before you. And now I stand and am judged. Why? <clears throat> I'm not being judged for um, not keeping the Mosaic Law. I'm not being judged for not uh, for not for teaching against circumcision. I'm not being judged for uh, telling my people not to walk in the customs. No, I am being judged for the hope of the promise that God made to our fathers. <laughs> okay, uh, He is making it very clear that the only reason that He is standing there at that time was because He preached the resurrection, and that was what they didn't like. That is why they had him there. And he says, unto which promise our 12 tribes, referring to the 12 tribes of Israel, of course, our 12 tribes instantly, instantly serving God day and night, excuse, hope to come. I'm being accused of the very promise that was made to our fathers. I'm being accused of the very promise that 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 God gave to the 12 tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. What were they hoping to come? The Messiah. I'm being accused of everything that we've been looking forward to, for which hope, sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. So again, that's the only reason I'm standing here. It's not about the Mosaic law or circumcision or customs. I'm standing here because I preach the resurrection. I preach the resurrection from the dead. And understand something. None of this was anything to Rome. Rome could have cared less about the resurrection. Rome could have cared less about Mosaic law and circumcision and customs. They were trying to find something to accuse Paul of that they could take to Caesar. And notice he points out that Christ was the fulfillment of all of the promises that were given to the nation. Remember when I showed you this chart? All of this pointed to Jesus. Every bit of it pointed 
to Jesus. If you would have known this thy day what the Lord has for you, but you didn't. Israel didn't know. That's why Jesus wept as he looked down over Rome, because the Jewish people, as he looked down over Jerusalem, because the Jewish people didn't realize he was the fulfillment of all of this. And then notice in verse number eight, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? In other words, why should any of us be surprised that God can raise somebody from the dead? I mean, the God that flung the stars in the space and man and made man from dirt and breathed life into his lungs, why should that surprise any of us? I mean, the resurrection should be just as credible as everything else that God has done. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is also in vain. So Paul is saying he's not really asking him a question as much as he's just saying with all all of the Old Testament prophecies that pointed to this, why would we be surprised that God can raise a man from the dead? I mean, he can call the nation out of Israel. He can, I mean, he can call the nation out of Egypt. He can survive them 40 years in the wilderness. He can take them in and overthrow established nations and build for them a kingdom, you know, in, in Israel. And all of a sudden, we're, we're surprised that God can raise the dead. You know, when I was in Bible college, uh, I was, and I went to several different schools. I was pretty mobile, young Marine, and moved a few times. Um, I was just always shocked at one particular school that had a left-leaning bent, um, how they wanted to deny the miracles. You know, the Red Sea was really just the Reed Sea, and the wind was blowing, and, you know, and, and so, you know, uh, it's not the big uh, picture of uh, Moses departing the Red Sea. Uh, instead, it's just ankle deep water, and you know, just they actually showed up at the at the the shallow section at that time of year, and you know, just go out of their way to to deny the miracles in the Bible, and yet turn around and believe that God created the heavens and the earth that God would send his son to die on a cross, that God would go to prepare a place for us, that God would resurrect from the dead. Why do we spend so much time trying to deny the miraculous? I don't understand. I, I just don't think their faith is big enough. You know, and of course, I mean, if the, if, the army, if the nation of Israel really walked across the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, and it was only ankle deep, you've got a bigger problem. Because the Bible says that Pharaoh's entire army drowned in ankle-deep water. So is that what you're saying? So you start denying one miracle, you're going to have to start denying another one and denying another one and denying another one. And next thing you know, bam, you're a Sadducee. <laughs> That's the way it works. Um, and Paul said, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So now he's going back and he's saying, as I was raised among the Jews... Uh, he said, I thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to Jesus of Nazareth. 
which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison. And having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Now Paul is referring to his pre-conversion life, his life prior to Acts chapter number 9, when he actively went after the followers of Jesus, when he actively persecuted them, when he held the coats of those who threw the rocks and killed Stephen, when he obtained letters to go and seek out these who were of the way so that he could bring them back to Jerusalem and have them tried and convicted and put to death. He's, Paul is saying, that's who I used to be. And notice he says, and many of the saints did I shut in prison. Paul wasn't going out and arresting Gentiles, people, okay? <laughs> he was arresting saints, Jews. And, of course, during this, this time, um, <clears throat> Paul had not received, he had not been converted, number one, in Acts chapter number nine, let alone know the mystery that had been hidden, which is the body of Christ. He didn't know any of these things. What's interesting, and I'll leave you with this, and you do the study on your own, the word saints is used 95 times in the King James Bible. I am heavily leaning at this point uh, in my studies uh, to the word only being applicable to Jewish believers. Uh, when the word saints is used, it's referring to Messianic believers. It is referring to Jews who had embraced the kingdom gospel. Now, we know that First and Second Corinthians, Paul goes back and forth between Jew and Gentile. We know that in Ephesians, he's dealing with those Ephesian Jews, the ones that he ministered to for so long here in the book of Acts. In Galatians, he's dealing with with the churches. He's dealing with Gentile believers. In 1 Corinthians 1-2, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, comma, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. He's making a distinction between the saints and those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs and ours. In 2 Corinthians, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in Achaia. He's making a distinction there. Um, in Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So are you saying that the saints wasn't faithful? Seems to be a distinction to me. In Galatians 1.3, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, raised from him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Doesn't use the word saints. Just, you know, interesting study. Take a look at it. Again, I've had to alter my vocabulary a little bit. And I don't use the word saints at this point to refer to myself. Um... But just, you know, I mean, put that right up there with uh, Bride of Christ. Put that right up there with uh, with Kingdom. Uh, put that right up there with Born Again. Uh, are Gentiles born again? The word is only used in the Gospels referring to the Jews. Remember, Israel is God's 
firstborn. It was Israel that was going to be born again. Again, I mean, it'll start changing your vocabulary. So anyway, God bless you guys. I hope that you've enjoyed the study, and that's as far as I'm going to get for today. Uh, Next time we get together will be Sunday morning, and we're going to put all this together. Uh, Let's see, that will be uh, session 37. Um, And then the following Tuesday, uh, we'll get into the rest of Acts chapter number 26. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.